right, guys, welcome to another episode of the QB Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Hamner, and we're joined with Joe Broback today. I know it looks a little different because uh, the, the man behind the podcast that drives it, Eric Henry, is not with us today. And so no fancy intro, no fancy shout out. We're just going to dive into it. But before I dive into it, I have to uh, just thank the people that kind of sponsor us and put us on their page. We're going to give a quick shout out to Draft Diamonds. Uh, they do a great job covering small school sports or small school football, if you will, and do a good job promoting those prospects. You can find our podcast and our YouTube channel over there at, at Draft Diamonds and NFLDraftDiamonds.com. Come and our uh, our podcast is going to be on all podcast platforms. Again, um, I'm not Eric. We're just going to dive into it. Joe, what I missed, dude? I, I know I got I got to tell people where to find our YouTube and our Twitter and all that stuff. What else did I miss, bro? Hey, you know it's pretty good. You know, Eric's your guy that kind of keeps things going. You know, there's there's two people to a podcast. You have the guy that you know has A, B, and C that we need to do, and they make sure that you stay on time. And then there's the analysts, and you know they say it's almost like play by play. And then the analysts on on college football broadcast. You know, Chris Fowler is the guy who's like, okay, we got to keep things on track because the next play's coming up, the next quarter's coming up, and that's kind of Eric is your Chris Fowler, and you're the Kirk Herbstreit. I don't know if I want to compare you to to those two but that's kind of the general concept we'll take that compliment joe and, and like like joe said you can find us on twitter at qb spotlight and then you can find our youtube channel link in below joe where can we find your work you've been on the show before so friend of the pod and kind of let us know a little bit about you and what you've been doing some cool stuff that you've been developing yeah, you know, I cover the AAC, uh, specifically Houston, but ge generally the AAC at Underdog Dynasty. You can find them on Twitter at Underdog Dynasty. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Broback. Uh, I'm also just doing general college football writing at Six Year Sports, which you can find at Six Year Sports. Everything's pretty straightforward, just how it sounds. Uh, yeah, just we're in the springtime, so it's a lot of like – what are the questions that we have for each school quarterback battles, position battles in general, that kind of stuff, new coaches, recruiting classes, all that, all that kind of stuff. It's kind of a downtime for college football, but there's also a lot going on with spring ball. Exactly. Yeah. This is kind of like our last, and we'll get into it in a second. We promise you yeah, this is kind of like our last, uh, kind of meat and potatoes with spring ball before the summer starts, right? This is our last kind of content to chew on before people it's like makeup content essentially. But I do think before we get into it, here's an interesting topic. I do think we're going to see an influx of more quarterbacks in the transfer portal after spring ball. We had an influx in January, right? Whenever the season ended. And now I think there are going to be some quarterbacks that see, you know, the, the writing on the wall, if you will, and say, okay, I'm getting the third string reps. I'm out of here. So I think we're going to see some guys into the transfer portal. It's going to be a new influx. What do you think about that? I would agree with you. I think that's a, the transfer portal has been a new beast this year. I, it was, it was a little crazy, uh, you know, last year it, it wasn't like everybody was going in. And then all of a sudden I think guys realize that they have a new place to go. They can get a fresh start and some of them, maybe they're jumping the gun a little early, but yeah, it's this, it's, it's a whole different animal this year. And yeah, I think with the amount of traction that it's gotten, uh, with guys hitting the transfer portal and finding new places. Uh, I think more people are going to do it. doesn't mean that they're going to find a new home, but they're going to try. And uh, yeah, like you said, if they're finding, Hey, I'm not taking first team reps or I'm not even taking second team reps. I'm going to go find somewhere else to play where I, I have a shot. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, I think it's, I think it's going to be interesting with, with after spring ball, because like you said, there's going to be more quarter, quarterbacks in the portal than FBS uh, roster spots available, right? Uh, so I think we might see some more quarterbacks kind of trickle down to the FCS level. 
Um, Joe, real quick, have you been watching the FCS football? I haven't watched, you know, Saturdays with the, the little one are, are focused towards watching him and, you know, watching his development and whatnot. I, I've watched a little bit of Jackson State with Dion. Uh, I tuned in a little bit to NDSU, but overall I haven't. I mean, I wish I could, but uh, at the same time, like, I, I don't feel like I'm missing a ton. Well, I've been uh, – I've taken allegiance to Tarleton State, being from Texas, the former Western Kentucky quarterback, Steve Duncan, which we're going to get into later, Western Kentucky. Uh, but it's been fun. But anyways, enough of us kind of kind of uh, jabbering and, and talking transfer portal. So today we're going to talk three schools um, that have a quarterback competition going on and then one school that is pretty solidified. And, and before we dive into it, we're, we are just going to kind of express the schools we're talking about. We're going to go Boise State, Utah State. Western Kentucky, and then we're going to do Joe's specialty, University of Houston. That's going to be more of a quarterback preview, right? A quarterback preview room than like a than like debating the competition. So uh, let's go ahead with the Mountain West schools first, Joe. And I'm going I'm to let you start this one first with Boise State because you actually mentioned something about this earlier this week about the Boise State competition and this something that you talked about on our last podcast. So why don't you go ahead and just kind of give us the breakdown of it, and then I'll kind of chime in and we'll talk about it. Yeah, so last podcast we talked about was uh, we mentioned SMU being Tanner Mordecai and Preston Stone as one of the the best G5, if not the best G5 quarterback battle this spring. And I brought up that I thought that Boise State would have quite a quarterback battle themselves. And I, I think this one actually might be the best because both quarterbacks have experience. We're talking... Hank Bachmeyer, uh, you know, the starter, the normal starter, and then Jack Sears, the USC transfer, who actually played uh, one or two games of significant time last year. Uh, the big thing, honestly, I, I think it's Bachmeyer's job. It's just a matter of his health because you look at when he was a freshman, uh, even like his first game against Florida State in Tallahassee, he was just getting slaughtered with hits, and it was just – you you worry about that, and the number of hits a quarterback takes is is a point that people talk about all the time, and it, it makes you a little bit worried when your quarterback takes as many shots as he's he did. Uh, but then you last year you had Jack Sears there to step up and help out when needed, and you know we we've seen this spring so far early on that it's kind of a neck and neck competition there. You know I think. Bachmeyer is definitely the more talented quarterback. He's former four-star come into Boise state. Uh, and you know, he's got a good frame. And the thing is, even though he takes a ton of shots, his confidence and his poise in the pocket don't get affected. He stands in there and he's, he knows he's going to take a hit and still throws a ball, a nice ball at that too. Uh, it throws a lot of nice passes. Uh, and I think he'll get the edge in the end. It's just really a matter of can he stay healthy? And if, if not, then Sears steps in. But if Bachmeyer's healthy, I think it's his job to lose. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I, I do think it's Bachmeyer's job. And I think creating an open competition like this is only going to make both guys better. So I think it's smart for the new coaching staff to do it. They haven't seen these guys and they haven't developed them. So, you know, who are they to come in and say, hey, this is a starter, even though, uh, even though he has been the starter. So I, I think a few things uh, with Bachmeyer and Sears. And Jake, so uh, Sears had – he started against Air Force, and then I believe he actually started against BYU and got hurt. So he was out kind of that game. But to start against Air Force, he was like 17 to 20, had four total touchdowns, and showed some stuff on the ground in the air too. So I think that start earned him enough um, kind of recognition where he's getting the chance to compete with Hank Bachmeyer. Uh, but I agree with your points on Bachmeyer. Just tough as nails, right? 
Uh, and he has all the tools that he needs. And you referenced Florida State. I'm going to reference another game uh, in this past year. It was against Wyoming, uh, and it was a freaking snowstorm. I don't know if you remember that game, but the fact that he's able to throw the ball downfield in that type of weather and the fact that he's able to keep the passing game alive, if you will, it wasn't like a crazy impressive statistical game, but the passing game still had an effect on that game. It was still a reason why they won because he could simply complete the ball, complete passes in that bad weather. So that, that especially playing, playing in that conference, that is a, uh, that's something, you know, that you're going to be exposed against is this bad weather. It's like a second defense hitting you. So uh, and he's a very talented guy. He pushes the ball downfield, has a career average of over eight, uh, which is a pretty good number for, for all our quarterback heads out there. Um, so I think if he can just take that next step, it's big. And I want to say a quote um, from their new OC, uh, Tim Plow or Plow. Do you know how to pronounce that last name? Am I butchering that? Probably. You know, I don't know. I'm not familiar. That coaching staff so new that I still haven't looked at that. Usually I rely on Eric to, to correct me. He's a journalist guy. I can get away with, with being rock, but, uh, but uh, we'll, we'll have him chime in at some point. But so this quote comes from the Idaho Statesman, which I'm assuming is a newspaper up there. And the author Ron Counts, I believe, was, is the, the writer of this. And here's a quote from the new OC. He says, what I love about Hank is he can win games in multiple ways. Yes. Uh, he can win games with his mind. He's tough as nails. Like we just talked about, he can make all the throws. Jack is a guy who can really move and be athletic, but he can make all the throws from the pocket as well. So it seems like we got, we got similar quarterbacks who can both spin it and, and, and are tough guys who have enough athleticism to hurt the defense. Um, and then one more quote from Action Sears, which kind of shows the camaraderie between the quarterbacks. He says, there's never any bad, bad blood or hard feelings. When he throws a touchdown, I celebrate. When I throw a touchdown, he celebrates. We just like seeing how far we can push each other. And I think we got, got a lot better from it. So that kind of goes back to my original point where I do think it's Bachmann's job to lose. Like you said, I do think he's the more talented guy, at least according to, you know, what the recruiting analysts t tell us. Um, but I think the competition is making them better, right? It, it's kind of sharpening their edge, if you will. Um, so I think you're right. It's probably the most – talented competition from the group of five level yeah agreed and I, I like that that's kind of their mentality because you you know in college you start to get to more see more of those the alpha mentality of like it's my job and I don't care who's coming for it I, I'm not gonna let them win it and then if people do lose it you've seen in the past the guys are just tune out or they're like well I don't want to uh I think the, the most prolific uh example of this is at Alabama when they had Tua and Jalen Hurts and when Tua came in in that national championship game they showed the sideline and Jalen's the first one celebrating and getting excited for him and then the next year when Tua got hurt and Jalen had to come in the first guy to go greet him after a big play was Tua and it's it's nice to see that and I wish more more players could do that, have that mentality. Cause I think that honestly, even though you might not be winning the job, being positive about that competition is going to make you better. Like you said, competition is going to make both guys better. Uh, and we'll talk about that. I kind of have some points when we talk about Houston about that, but yeah, I think they're both talented guys. That's, there's no reason for either of them to be upset that the other one's getting reps. I mean, they both deserve to get reps. Uh, but I'm just I, I'm glad that they're both, you know, excited for the other person. And, and you know, when someone does something good, they're able to celebrate even while even while they're com competing against each other. Yeah. No, I agree with that point. It is cool to see. Uh, that's why, you know, whoever wins and we both think Bachmeyer will end up winning. Uh, both guys will get better from it. So definitely uh, will be a fun competition to watch during spring. And we'll see if they name a starter. And if not, then we'll keep up in the fall. 
Uh, so go ahead and move to the other Mountain West school we're going to talk about, Utah State. Uh, so this is something I'll kind of I'll, I'll 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 start off here on this one, Joe, and then let you piggyback and, and dive into it. But this is one that anyone that's listened to our podcast or watched our YouTube knows. We talked a lot about Logan Bonner the past few uh, past few years, essentially, um, and he's not. Being in a quarterback competition is no uh, strange feeling for him, right? He's been in a competition the past few years, Arkansas State, split in time with Lane Hatch the last year, right? So he's technically a two-year starter, even though he got hurt in 2019. And then 2020 rolls around, and he splits time with the Sunbelt co-freshman player of the year, I think, in Lane Hatcher. And so going into a competition with An Andrew Peasley from Utah State um, – it is not something that he's going to like defer him or, or, or kind of discourage him. Now, I will say off the bat, he hasn't practiced yet in spring ball. And, and I'll reference uh, uh, someone that's kind of, you know, has ears in the program or keeps up with the program on, on Twitter. Uh, they have a great Utah State podcast called Aggie Up Podcast. I don't know if you've seen them around. They do a good job covering Utah State football. So and Logan Bonner has not practiced yet. So that tells me He's getting these reps. He's getting the reps of Blake Anderson's new offense, and he's kind of getting to learn the schemes. And I think that's okay for Bonner because he's been in Blake Anderson's offense and scheme his entire career, and he's had success, 31 total touchdowns, over 3,000 yards passing. Like, he has the experience. Andrew Peasley started the last two games last year, um, and, and so he doesn't have quite as much experience, but at least he did get playing time, which is valuable, and, and he showed to be a pretty good athlete as well. So I think this is helping Peasley kind of catch up, if you will, with the, the learning curve since Bonner is not there. I don't know if he's supposed to come back this spring or not. I'm not quite sure. Uh, but I don't think it's too big of a deal Bonner missing reps because he knows the offensive system. As long as he's able to get in there this summer and, and kind of get the feel with the guys. Uh, I don't have a great read who's going to start to like Peasley. If I had to guess, I would say Bonner because experience in his relationship and with the offensive scheme. Uh, but, but again, PZ was a guy that had talented and looked he, like he could be developed. So this is going to be an interesting one to keep track of for sure in the Mountain West. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for Bonner is the there's two things. Uh, there's his familiarity with the system. And on top of that, his familiarity with Blake Anderson and what he expects from his quarterbacks and kind of the intricacies of playing the position. Uh, because, you know, usually we look at a, a quarterback transferring in and he's not following a coach. He comes into a new system. So he's an experienced quarterback, but he also has to learn a new system. This is different because Bonner's going to a new school, but he's joining the coach that he just played for. So he doesn't have to learn that stuff. There might be some additions that they, he has to learn that they put in the spring, but usually a spring ball is pretty basic vanilla stuff. Uh, so you're not really missing a ton, like you said. But, yeah, for Peasley to get those reps is really good. Uh, I think the other thing that, uh, you know, Bonner is doing and that's going to work for him is that he's used to being in a quarterback competition. He's been doing that for years. And while it's good for him to go to a new school, you know, I think I think it was good for him and Hatcher to kind of battle it out. But I think after a certain point, like – you lose momentum during a game when you're constantly switching quarterbacks. It didn't feel like either guy is really getting in rhythm. So it's going to be good, I think, for both guys to kind of move on. Obviously, Hatcher stays at Arkansas State, but he has a new coach. Bonner follows Anderson to Utah State. So I think the change for both of them is going to be beneficial. But Bonner's used to being in a quarterback competition, so that's really not going to phase him. I think that's another thing that he has going for him. So even if Peasley's, you know, a, a little bit better, I think that Bonner 
is going to win the job because, you know, he's familiar with, like I said, with the system and what Anderson expects out of his quarterbacks. And it's, it's not a new situation for him to go in and have to beat another guy out. So I think just for those two reasons alone, I, I'm picking Bonner and it'd be nice to see what he can do when it's his offense. And it's, you know, he's the guy and there's not really any doubt about who's QB one is another guy to kind of come in if he struggles for a little bit, or is there, you know, he doesn't have to worry about that rotation that kind of hurt both him and Hatcher last year. Yeah. And another interesting thing is, I would imagine that wouldn't assume, uh, you know, but uh, I would imagine Coach Anderson doesn't want to have that two system quarterback get quarterback two two quarterback system again, like like he had at Arkansas State. So I would imagine he wants to have a clear cut guy, and like you said, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Bonner ends up being that guy because he's familiar with it. But I don't want to root like Peasley is a talented guy who I think has a lot of good tools and raw tools to work with and develop. Uh, if he was a starter all last year for Utah State, they would have had a much different season. I know they had you know, coaching stuff go on, but um, it, it, Utah State's an interesting position because they had Jordan Love for several, several years with elite quarterback play, and then this the, the drop-off that happened last year. Um, so I'm not saying they're going to get back to Jordan Love play, but they need to at least take a step towards that direction to be competitive again uh, in the Mountain West because they have, they have talent around them, right? They just need to get that quarterback situation solidified. All right, so that's all the Mountain West talk we got for today. Uh, let's go ahead and dive into Eric's favorite conference, Western Kentucky. And you know what we should have done? We should have talked FIU tonight, uh, just with Eric being gone. But that would have been rude. Uh, probably <laughs> some snarky comment. Uh, but Western Kentucky, I don't know how much of a true competition it really is. I imagine it's like we and Eric have talked about the past there there are competitions where it's truly open and you know hey they're like i don't know who's gonna win this like it's a truly open competition like the logan bonner andrew peasley we lean towards bonner but i feel like it's a truly open competition right i feel like this one may be a little more saying hey like it's a competition but in the back of the coach's mind it's like hey bailey zappy's probably our guy right like they brought him in for a reason their oc his receivers uh, i mean that the guy could have gone to probably bigger uh a bigger, like a power five program probably done well, right? He, he put up huge numbers against three FBS schools last year. And, and I mean, uh, he, he's, he's on NFL radars, right? And I don't want to take a shot at uh, Tyrell Pigram, but, um, you know, Pigram struggled with consistency last year. Western Kentucky fans would be the first to tell you that. that the, the thing Pigram has going for him is he has a different skill set. He's able to use his legs. And he does take care of the football. Only threw two picks last year, but Zappi only threw one pick last year, right, with 15 touchdowns. So, uh, while Pegrom does have his athleticism and, and has, you know, experience at Western Kentucky, it's a new offensive system. Zappi's familiar with it, and he's only gotten better each and every year. Like Zappi is very coachable. He hasn't even hit a ceiling yet, but he's gotten better each and every year. So I think it's Zappi's job, uh, but I think, you know, going in, you can't just say it, he's the guy. You have to have an open competition. Yeah, I think, I think they're going to do – the best thing, I think, for them is to tailor that offense around Zappi's game – you know, you look at he the the lowest amount of passing attempts he took was 46 last year against Eastern Kentucky. Then he throws for 58 against Louisiana Tech, 49 against Texas Tech, and 62 against North Texas. It's not exactly uh, a focus on the run, uh, but I think that if you're trying to get one of these two quarterbacks in the rhythm of the game, trying to get the offense to work around one of their skill sets, I feel like you have to go with Zappy's skill set. You know 
throw the ball around a lot. And then when you can bring, bring pig Roman and, you know, use kind of like the wildcat offense that a lot of teams like to do use his legs, but also know that he can throw the football too. Uh, I, I just think that's more beneficial than going the other way where you, you run more of like an RPO offense around you know, where it's really more run or even like a lot of read option stuff with pig Rome. I think that that doesn't really work well for Zappi and it just doesn't make sense to bring him in just so you can run the ball. And obviously he can throw the ball with the best. I mean, like you said, he threw 15 touchdowns in just one pick and that's throwing the ball 215 times in four games. That's, that's not a, a skill set that you just bring in and then say, Hey, we're going to run the ball. We're not going to use your arm as much. Like there's a reason why he come, he's coming in. And while, yeah, I agree that this isn't really as much of a quarterback competition. Uh, but I think that it, it, having Zabby there will also elevate pig rooms passing because he'll see this is what it looks like. And this is what we want. So if you can try to replicate that as best you can, you're also going to pr- improve. And then if you do improve as a passer, your running game just takes off from there. Because like you said, he's a great athlete. He can use his legs, but if you can't throw the football, they're just going to stack the box and there's nowhere for you to go. Yeah. And in, and in pig rooms, the defense, like, you know, COVID would probably hurt him just as much as any other transfer quarterback who wasn't able to get in the system. And so, like, it's like this first few games are almost like figuring it out last year, right? And then he was benched some off and on. So, uh, but yeah, I do definitely think it's, it's Zappy's. I, I think Zappy is a difference maker for Western Kentucky. Like, I think – because they have a good defense. I think he could – and maybe this is the quarterback bias coming out in me, right? But I think he could take Western Kentucky and make them contend – uh, for a CUSA title. And I know, you know, you keep up with CUSA a, a lot like, like we do being with underdog dynasty. Uh, but I just view that offense with Zappy. If it's, if it's, a, if it's three quarters of what it was at HBU, they all of a sudden are one of the most explosive offenses in conference USA. Uh, there's not a ton of solid, solid defenses in conference USA besides like a FAU Marshall. And so I think they can take advantage of, you know, being in conference and, and I think they can make a run for it if Zappy comes in as advertised. So I'm definitely excited for, for that. Billy Zappy is, is someone not to jump like it, he's someone like Eric's been huge on. He's the one that got, got uh, him on my radar. So I, I think he's going to be big for conference USA. Um, I know, I know you're, you're kind of getting super excited for this next school, Joe, kind of the school you cover. So I'm going to let you go and just take it away here uh, and kind of give the listeners what they, any U of H fans that come, here's your guy to talk U of H football. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, Houston fans have been very sick of the last few years and how they've went. And uh, I think that, you know, guys are getting, or, you know, people are getting sick of Dana Holgerson already, which doesn't make any sense to me because you, you bring in a guy who's taking over a program that wasn't good. Like, no offense to Major Applewhite, but the, the guys that he was bringing in just didn't cut it. And, you know, there are a handful of guys like Peyton Turner and Clayton Toon, who I'll talk about in a second, that, that are good on each side of the ball. And, they're, you know, they're, there's a lot of guys that um, just weren't good, didn't provide enough depth. And I think there's a lot of issues that people didn't realize and they just expect. that The tough thing with college football is that, Coaches come in and usually we, you know, we see they get two, three, maybe four years to prove this is what I'm going to do. And then the, to actually prove that they can get results. And I, I, it's, I think that people at Houston had the mentality that Dana Holgerson needs to turn Clayton Toon into this case Keenum, Derek King type 
quarterback and that just wasn't the case it never was going to be and it's not going to be this year either Clayton Tunes not either of those quarterbacks but I think year three now that Dana's gotten two years of recruiting classes and bringing his guys in it's going to be the first year that Houston fans should actually judge how he's doing and it's going to start with Clayton Tunes so Tunes obviously had his moments where he struggled. Decision making is probably his biggest weakness at times when you know when he's getting all this pressure, which he's received a lot of pressure because the offensive line hasn't been great. But when you get pressure in your face, it kind of exposes you and what how much poise you have. And there are times where you know Tunes an underrated athlete. He can run. It's kind of like Dylan Gabriel we talked last time underrated athlete who who can run the football but it's kind of hard to do that when you have two defensive tackles in your face within two seconds of getting the football and while sometimes he just needs to eat and take a sack there's times where he just decides i'm just gonna throw the ball somewhere and you know we saw in the two lane game their first game the first first one he throws away but he doesn't really throw it away because he's trying to make a play and Tulane brings back for a pick six next there's another turnover he has he's not really paying attention to the pressure gets the ball stripped from him Tulane scores again it's kind of that internal clock but also the awareness to know like I just need to throw it away yeah it sucks that I have to take a sack but I'm going to take a sack and I think that Dana Holgerson would be wise to let Sophie Masood and Maddox Cop be a part of that competition. They might not get a ton of first team reps, but just show tune like, Hey, you have to compete for your spot. You can't just assume that you're going to be the winner. And I honestly think that's going to be good. Now. I don't think that Dana's going to be like, Hey, you might lose out to one of these guys, but at least just light a fire under him and show that you need to do better. And while yes, there are things around you that also need to get better. You're the quarterback and you have the biggest impact on an offense. So it's going to be good for both of the other guys to come in. And, you know, Maddox Cop is 6'5", has great arm, and he's he's a guy that's going to be a good quarterback for Houston. Even Masood, too, is going to be – I think he's going to be good. They both fit what Dana wants to do. But for right now, Clayton Toon's the guy, and while he's solidified in his job, that doesn't mean that he can't get a little fire under him and show, hey – if you're not cutting it, we're not afraid to go to these guys. And that gives those guys confidence too, to say, Hey, if, if our guy's not cutting it, we're going to go to one of you and you better be ready. I do. I got a few things. Number one, you know, I'm a degenerate gambler. And so the the fact you brought that U of H two lane game was heartbreaking for two, two reasons. I'm going to go back two years ago. uh, When Derek King King was still the quarterback and they were playing at two lane. I'm sure you remember how this lost. Um, but U of H was starting off bad, and I, I, I took U of H in the points. I was like, they're going to turn it around here. They're up 24 to 7 at half. I'm like, this is a no brainer. This is easy. Boom. Tulane comes back. I'm like, oh my, I'm like, what is going on? Um, but I'm like, no big deal. Like, I think U of H had to lose by like, I think I took U of H plus four. I was like, okay, it's going to overtime. Like, oh my, like, this sucks. Like, I still think UVH can win. Maybe at least Tulane can just kick a field goal and be done. So I'm like, okay, like, I, they still blew it, but whatever. And then the freaking Hail Mary happens, and my heart is ripped from me. I'm like, okay, that was one of my worst gambling experiences in my life. Fast forward to 2020, uh, Tulane's the underdog. I think, I think it was almost two touchdowns. It was like plus 13, plus 12. I took Tulane. And Tulane gets up by three scores or so the first quarter. Was it 21? No, something like that. And I was like, okay. Yeah, it was bad. I was like, solid. This is great. 
I was like, even if U of H comes back, like surely, like the offense that wasn't looking very good, was like surely Tulane can at least get another touchdown or two and keep it within two touchdowns. Like there's no way we're up three scores. Long story short, it's like a 48-20 something type game. And again, I get wrecked again. That was uh, atrocious, but no one cares about my gambling losses. Uh, but the back to the quarterback play, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think Toon, I think Toon has a good opportunity to take the next step in the eight, in the AAC. You have Brady White leaving, Shane Bouchelle leaving. All you have at the top, like established guys at the top, is uh, Dylan Gabriel and Desmond Ritter. Like they have the only established top tier guys. You have other like like. Holton Aylers and the other guys like Michael Pratt who are establishing their own right, but they're not at the top of any meets. And so I think Clayton Toon has the ability to take that next step and take where Brady White was. Shane Buchel was like push that next step if he is able to take the next the next step, right? It's there. So I think it's almost like a passing of the torch for the American Conference, if you will. There's going to be several quarterbacks that can take that next step, and Toon can be one of those guys. And like you said, maybe having the these younger guys, and Maddox Kopp, who are both very high, high on, maybe having these younger guys getting some reps with the ones uh, and just kind of pushing him a little bit, but then also – letting him know and letting the, the, the backups know, hey, if, if Toon's struggling three or four or five games into it, just not getting the job done, it's just kind of average, mediocre play. Like, we have different options. But at the same time, I think, like you mentioned this earlier, Toon has gotten too much, I think, criticism towards his way, like most quarterbacks do, where it hasn't been all his, his fault, right? It's just they expect him to, to be what these quarterbacks in the past have been U of H, and sometimes it's not feasible. You can still be a good quarterback without being, you know, Keen, Case Keenum. Uh, so. I, I, th I think he's in a good position to take the next step. I hope he does. And plus, U of H always has athletes. You're always going to have receivers. You're always going to have playmakers around you. Um, it's, the, it's the greatest set of Texas, right? So, um, so, so you're set there. But I think U of H fans have reason to be optimistic. Not just if two, whether Toon takes the next step or not. I think the quarterback room is developing, right? It is interesting that Holgerson's son transferred, though, right? He's in the portal. Yeah, yep, he, he is. Uh, I'm not really surprised, though. I think, you know, with – the writing on the wall was that he wasn't going to be the guy. Uh, it didn't really get many opportunities last year. So I'm not really surprised there. Um, I tell you what though, whoever, if he, you know, when he goes somewhere, or if he, you know, if he does go somewhere, uh, I think that you're getting a great teammate. You know, you, I, I hear a lot of coaches say that they like coaches sons because they're taught from an early age that they're a team player and they're, they're trained to be the right kind of player, right kind of teammate. And if you go back and watch Houston season and you see a big play, you're going to see number six, just hyping it up, waving a towel. He's the first guy to get in Toon's face when he makes a play. So, you know, if wherever Logan Holgerson lands, they're, they're going to get at, at minimum one of the best teammates on the roster right away. He just, he loves the game. He loves his teammates. And, and that's, that's a guy that, yeah, I'm not surprised because he wasn't playing very much, but at a minimum, you're getting a positive influence in the locker room. Yeah. All the, the U of H inside guys. So anyone with any U of H questions, please direct them towards Joe. If you ask me, I'll direct you towards Joe. Uh, but I think that's all we got, Joe. Any other quarterbacks we missed for the show? Anything you want to jump back into? Or we chew on it pretty good. No, we chew pretty good. I think we got uh, we got a good little conversation going. Uh, you know, it's a little different without Eric, but you know, we managed. Man, we got through it, right? He'll, he'll come critique us and give us a notes of what to improve on, I'm sure. But guys, thanks for listening. That's all we got for today. Again, Joe, tell, tell everyone where they can find you in your work. 
You can find me at Joe Broak, Underdog Dynasty at Underdog Dynasty, Six Year Sports at Six Year Sports on Twitter and anywhere, pretty much anywhere on social media. That's where you're going to find us. Joe's got some cool stuff. Uh, so keep, keep, give him a follow. Keep track of what he's doing. He's got some, some cool stuff going going on and coming out. Uh, again, thanks for, thanks for listening, guys. Again, you can find us on Spotify, Apple, all that podcast stuff. Uh, at QB Spotlight is the Twitter, and we will have this on YouTube as well. Uh, any questions, suggestions, uh, please send them our way. And like always, if it's negative, send it towards Eric because he deserves it. Uh, any positive stuff, send towards us. Thank you all, and we'll see you all next time.